Hello, I'm Kami Yashirabge, and this is the Buddhism Guide podcast. You can find more podcasts, blogs, videos, and guided meditation practices on the Buddhism Guide app. Download it for free from the Apple Store and Google Play. If you enjoy the Buddhism Guide podcast and would like to support future episodes, you can do so for as little as $2 a month. Visit patreon.com forward slash Buddhism Guide for more information. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-m dot com forward slash Buddhism Guide. So in this episode, I talk about the four great torments and the five poisons. And the teaching is taken from a hundred verses of advice from Padampa Sangha. So this verse reads, Birth, sickness, aging and death flow on a river without a bridge. Have you prepared yourself a boat? So, the human beings go through uh, four great torments, which is birth, old age, sickness, and death. And all of these stages, four stages, will bring suffering to us. So, although birth is the start of uh, our life, it's also the start of our suffering. It's the start of the physical suffering and mental suffering. So physical suffering we can do quite a lot. We can look after ourselves, we can eat well, we can do exercise. So there's a lot we can do. But obviously this body is going to break down. It's made up of uh, millions of different parts. So obviously the parts are going to start breaking down at different points in our life. And there's not much we can do about that. But in Buddhism we talk more about the mental suffering And this is what uh, we're talking about here, really. The four torments cause us a lot of mental suffering. When we're born, of course, we go through a lot of suffering. We can't communicate. We can't put across what we want. You know, everything is new to us. We get scared and frightened of everything because we're just starting a new life. And as we grow uh, older, we become sick. And of course this sickness is also going to cause us mental suffering. And then old age, of course in old age we get set in our ways. We don't want to change. So it's at the old age where a lot of suffering comes in. As you're growing older, a lot of your friends and family around you start to die off. And you realise that, you know, you're in old age and death is knocking at your door. And in death... If you haven't dealt with all your attachments and everything, then of course death is going to be a difficult time for you because it's a time where you're going to, I don't want to leave my friends, I don't want to leave my family, I don't want to leave my money or my possessions. So death is also a, a time that brings a lot of mental suffering for us. So it's like a, this suffering, these four torments are like a fast flowing river. And we're on one side of the river, 
And the reduction of uh, suffering, re being able to reduce our suffering, is on the other side of the river. And there's no bridge across that river. We have to get a boat, and we have to take a boat across that river. And the boat is the teachings. So the boat is the practices you do. And the person who helps you, obviously, with that boat is your teacher. And we'll talk a bit more about teachers in a moment. But the boat is the practice. So if you're not doing the practice, so if you're on one side of the river and you're reading a lot and listening to a lot and you're following lots of, you know, teachers and, you know, going to their teachings and just listening to them, and you're not actually putting that into practice, then you're not in the boat. You're not going to go across the river. So to be able to cross this river of these four great uh, torments, we have to put these teachings into practice. It's no good to be able to talk about uh, uh, things like meditation and mindfulness and reflection and all things like that if we're not going to do them. Because talking is not going to help you. So you have to ensure to be able to cross that river that you understand about meditation and you do meditation on a daily basis, particularly in the mornings. And then throughout the day, you do your mindfulness practice. And as much as you can, you keep bringing yourself back to the present moment because it's in that present moment where you're going to be able to make good choices. And then at the end of the day, do the reflection practice and look back over the day. Look at the things that worked and reinforce them. And look at the things that didn't work and look at ways that you can change that so next time they do work. So this is your boat. That is the boat that's going to take you across the river of these four torments. And on the other side, then on the other side is a reduction in our mental suffering. So if we can reduce our mental suffering, then the largest part of the suffering in this life goes. Of course, by going across this boat to the other shore, it's not going to stop your physical suffering because that physical suffering is natural. It's your body breaking down. You're still going to die if you reach the other shore, but you're not going to have your mental suffering in this life. And most of that mental suffering is coming from you. And we'll talk about that again in a moment as well. So these four great torments that every human goes through, birth, old age, sickness and death, can be overcome. The mental suffering of those four torments can be overcome by taking the boat across this river, the boat being meditation, mindfulness and reflection practice. And the next verse reads, In the narrow defiles of birth, death, and the intermediate state, bandits await the five poisonous emotions, sure to ambush you. So in Buddhism we talk a lot about three poisons, but here we've added two, two more poisons, the five poisons. Now, what they're saying is that when you are born, these five poisons, these five uh, poisonous emotions are going to ambush you. 
So even if you're doing your meditation, your mindfulness and your reflection practice, if you're not careful, you're going to be ambushed by these five poisonous emotions. And the five poisonous emotions are desire, their attachment, their misunderstanding or unawareness, their jealousy and their pride. So these five, these key five uh, poisonous emotions are what are just going to keep bringing us back time after time, taking us back to a disturbed mind. So with desire, of course, with desire, there's uh, two different types of desire. There's desire when we desire for everybody to stop suffering and everybody to be happy and desire to help people. Those type of desires are, are selfless desires. So if you, your desire is a selfless desire, then of course, it's not a bad thing. But if your desire is a selfish desire, and it's all about me, 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 and I want this, and I want that, and I want this to happen, then of course, that desire is going to ambush you. If you're not careful throughout the day, if you're not keep bringing yourself back to mindfulness, then this desire will creep in, and this desire will keep pulling you back, keep taking you back across the river, back to the other shore, away from where you want to be. So we have to, be, we have to stay mindful, so with these desires don't start controlling us. You know, we've all been there. We've all like seen something that we like, that we want, that we think is nice, that we may not need it, but, you know, we want it. And we just think about it constantly, all the time, keep thinking about it and keep looking at it, and the desire grows and grows. And then we can't think of anything else. So instead of focusing on... Uh, compassion and empathy and trying to be a good person what we're focusing on is our desire our greedy clinging desire so the next one is attachment and uh, of course attachment is always going to bring us mental suffering and with attachment there is no good attachment like with desire, there was good desires and not so good desires. With attachment, there is no good attachment. All attachments are bad. If you're attached to something, it means it is definitely going to bring you mental suffering later on. If you're holding on to your friends, holding on to your family, or clinging to your belongings or your bank account or your sense of identity, all of these are going to change in time. All of these will stop your family and friends will either move away and die. Your possessions will break down. Your identity will be taken away from you when you do something wrong. All these things are not permanent things. So no form of attachment is going to help you. Every part of attachment is going to bring you some sort of mental suffering, either now or in the future. So there is nothing good. So that again, when we're being attached to something, it's taking our mind away from meditation, mindfulness and reflection. Unawareness 
the unawareness, we're unaware of the way the world really works. We're unaware of the way our mind works. We're not even sure ourselves how our mind is working. We just blindly keep following it. And one of the, the key parts of unawareness is cause and effect. Where if we understand that things cannot happen without a cause, so there's a cause of something, there'll be an effect. So this helps us because whatever choices we make, we know there are going to be consequences for those choices. We know that whatever we're going to do, something is going to happen from that. Also, when we learn about cause and effect, we also understand that things are not just happening to us for no reason. It's because of a cause. Many times you can hear people say, you know, oh, why is it happening to me? Why is that doing to me? Or, or oh, this is a bad day. I'm having a bad day. Oh, poor old me. It's all about me again. It's all about being selfish again. So when we're looking at cause and effect, we're looking at, okay, what caused this? And what can I do to solve this? Instead of thinking about poor old me. And if we look at a bad day, not the whole day is bad. Maybe certain days are better than others. Of course, that's true. But not every day from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed is a bad day. There are going to be good bits in that day. But when you're looking at the bad point, look at the causes. What is causing that? Because if you can see the cause of what is, this is, you can do something about it. So if somebody is causing you to have a bad day, then you can deal with that person. You can either keep away from the person or you can just politely talk to that person. But if you're just going to you know, think that this is me this is my destiny or this is my karma, I can't do anything about it, then you're always going to be the victim. But if you understand cause and effect, it's not just about you. The world isn't just here about you. The world is just a complete huge web of different causes and effects and things are going to happen. So if we understand that, then that again takes away a big part of our mental suffering. How can you sit down and do meditation or mindfulness or reflection practice when you're thinking, poor me, poor me, poor me? Again, it's, you've been hijacked by an unawareness of the way the world works. And if we look at pride, again, pride can be split into two different ways. There is the pride that we have for our friends and our family. Again, it's a selfless pride. If you have children and they achieve something, you're proud of them. Of course you are. And why wouldn't we be? We should be. It's selfless pride. So there's not a problem with that. But the problem comes when it's uh, selfish pride, when it's ego-driven pride. Because once our pride becomes ego-driven, then we start to think again, me, me, me. We start to become narcissistic. We start to think that, you know, I am the best person and, you know, I do the things the best. I mean, we only have to look at some of our politicians these days and we see how narcissistic and how proud they are. So when you have this type of uh, ego-driven pride, again, it's hijacking you. 
It's taking you away from what you should be doing. It's taking you away from your mindfulness. It's making you believe that you are the best person in the world at doing this thing. You know, you may have been doing your job for 20 years, but it doesn't mean that now the way you do it is the best way. In those 20 years, the world has moved on. If you haven't moved on, then clearly you're not doing it in the best way. And you can't say to people, oh, you've only just started this job and I've been doing it for 20 years. You can't tell me anything. That's just ego-driven pride. And this pride is going to take you away. It's going to take you out of your boat. And jealousy as well. And again, in jealousy, there is no good jealousy. You can't say that, you know, this is uh, good jealousy and this is bad jealousy. There is only bad jealousy. And jealousy just means that, you know, we're not contented with our life. If you're content with your life, if you're grateful for what you've got, then there'll be no jealousy. You wouldn't look at other people and think, oh, I want what they've got, or I want to be them. You know, jealousy uh, is such a destructive emotion. There is nothing good that will ever come out of jealousy. It will just drive you to do bad things, to say bad things. So jealousy is most definitely going to take you away from your practice of meditation. But I mean, just imagine you're really jealous of this person and you sit down and try and meditate. And then what's in your mind? Jealousy. And then that jealousy is also going to stop you being mindful because you're going to be thinking the whole time about this thing that's making you jealous. So that jealousy is going to hijack you. So these five poisonous emotions are five really dangerous things that are going to pull us away from where we want to be and take us away from the direction we want to go in. So these five should be kept uh, clearly in your mind. And out of the four torments and the five poisons, who can help you? A teacher can help you. A mentor somebody to guide you. So when we're looking at uh, trying to find a teacher, first of all, you have to make sure that that teacher isn't just a good talker, a person who's well-read and then he can just tell you what he's read. The teacher has to be doing the practice. If your teacher is not doing what he's teaching, then he's not a good teacher. The teacher must be putting it into practice. A teacher can't just say, this is for you to do, and he does the opposite. This is not a good teacher. So first of all, we have to ensure that the teacher puts what he teaches into practice. Then we have to listen very carefully to what is being said. And once we've listened to what's being said, then we need to do the practice. So find a good teacher check that teacher out and a good way of checking out a teacher is looking at the teacher's students as well as the teacher is the teacher doing what he's preaching that's a good thing and what are the students are the students also trying to follow what the teacher is saying again if the students are trying to follow what the teacher is saying that is also a good sign 
So when we listen to the teaching, we have to listen very carefully. And uh, in Buddhism, we talk about uh, a cup. If your cup is upside down and you try to pour water into it, nothing will go into that cup. So if you sit in the teachings and you're, you've switched off and you're not listening to the teacher, then it's just like you're pouring water into an upturned cup. Nothing is going to go into your mind. If your cup has a hole in it and you pour water into that cup, all the water is eventually just going to come out of the hole, which is the same as you sitting there and just listening to the teaching and just letting it come in and letting it go. Nothing is going to stay in your mind. And if you tip uh, this water into a cup that has a little bit of uh, poison in it, then it's going to poison the water. And this is the same as if you sit in a teaching and your mind is poisoned. You think, I know better than the teacher. I already know this, or I can do this better. Then what you're going to do, whatever the teacher is telling you, as soon as it reaches your mind, is going to be poisoned. So what do we have to do? We have to have a cup that is clean, that doesn't have a hole in, and that is turned the right way up. And that's how we should be listening. We should be letting everything come in, let it stay in, and don't poison it with uh, other thoughts. If you're listening to your teacher in that way, then you're going to benefit from the teaching. But ultimately, you have to put that teaching then into practice. If you just stop at this point and you're a good listener and you've taken it on board and you're, you know, you've got it all in your mind, but you're not practicing it, then there is no benefit. It's like going to a wedding and standing there in front of a huge, great buffet and thinking, wow, this is such lovely food. I'm so hungry and the food is wonderful. And then you just walk away and you don't eat any of the food. What's the benefit? And the same would be if you get all these wonderful teachings and then you just walk away and you don't put them into practice. So the practice we have to do is meditation, mindfulness, reflection practice. And these will help you across this river with the four uh, torments. And it will help you stop being hijacked by the five poisons. You can find more about this and similar subjects in my books, The Best Way to Catch a Snake, Life's Meandering Path and Ripples in the Stream. They're all available now on Amazon and Kindle. Could I ask you to please rate and review the Buddhism Guide podcast, as this will make it easier for others to find us. So, until the next time, thank you so much for listening, and bye.